You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Thank you, worship team. Feel free to take your seats all across the room. Uh, well, on this special Mother's Day, I have to say a special shout out to my mum, who's in Leicestershire, uh, aka I call her Queen Esther, because um, that is her name, not Queen, but Esther. Um, special shout out to you, mum. Love you so much. Um, we are in week two of four in our series called This Jesus. And last week, Luke did an excellent job of kicking us off with This Jesus gentle and humble in heart. And one liberating takeaway from his message was, all you need to be to be qualified to come to Jesus today is to be weary and burdened. Wow. And this idea of being burdened and weary fits so well with what I had on my heart to bring today as we look at this Jesus, tempted yet sinless. And I say it's relevant because let's all just take a moment to be honest with ourselves. How many of us have ever been weary and burdened by sin and temptation? Just feel free to put your hand up. Probably not the way we felt we wanted to start off this morning, but we've all been there. But especially during the last year with COVID-19 and how it's impacted our world, how it's impacted our nation. Maybe many of us have found ourselves in a place where we're bored, we've got anxiety, we're trying to figure out ways to cope. And so with that comes the issues sometimes of finding poor ways to cope. This new territory, this place that we've never been in that feels so unfamiliar can bring about new temptations and destructive habits that are formed. When speaking of his own wrestle with sin and temptation, Paul, a spiritual giant in the faith, said this. He said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. What a wretched or miserable man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Man, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been there. I feel like I can relate to those words. But I love what Paul goes on to answer from his own question about who will deliver him. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so my hope for us today is that as we look at this Jesus who was tempted yet sinless, that we too, like Paul, would be able to go away from here or return back to our daily lives and also be able to say, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you have your Bibles or your devices at home and in the room, let's turn together to Matthew 4, uh, 1 to 11, which says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high point and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. Well, some intense things going on there. And you can read about this account of Jesus's time in the wilderness also in Mark 1 and Luke 4. But it literally comes straight after Jesus has been baptized. He's been filled with the spirit. And God comes down in a voice and says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those moments where you're just, you've had an excellent day, you've had a brilliant time in the presence of Lord, you're feeling good, you're finally making progress with that thing that you've been struggling with, and then suddenly, it's like trouble comes out of nowhere. It's like it turns around, waiting for you also to turn around. All those of us who've ever had our laptops crash after you've just been flowing really well in a good piece of work, you know the pain of having trouble suddenly come. Yet what we see here is interesting because Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. And more can be said a little bit later on as to why this may have been a case. But let me just take a moment here to clarify that Jesus was led into the spirit, into the wilderness by the spirit, but he was not led into temptation by the spirit. The Bible says in James 1, 13 to 14, when tempted, no one should say that God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. The Greek word used here in Matthew for tempted is pirazo, which means to be tested or to try something or someone to see if it can be done. This is not something that God would do. He wouldn't test us to see if we can do evil. But if you've ever done uh, Freedom in Christ, which is one of our brilliant discipleship courses here at CLM, then you're probably familiar with the series uh, and the week where we talk about the flesh, the devil, and the world, that these are the things that come and bring temptation, that test us to see if we can do evil. And many of us can already start to feel guilty and ashamed just because we're tempted. Yet I hope that it encourages you today to know that uh, it is not a sin to be tempted. Temptation can lead to sin, but it is not a sin to be tempted. Jesus himself was tempted. Maybe you've experienced temptation on a Monday morning at work. And I say Monday because I feel like everybody usually picks Monday to be the start of new beginnings. You know, I'm changing my life. I'm doing something different. And you've decided from this Monday, I'm going to eat clean. 
And it just so happens that on the one day, the one day that you decide, I'm eating clean, I'm changing my life, you've got Sharon in the office whose birthday it is, and she's decided that she's going to bring her world-renowned cookies into the office, and now you're in a battle against everything you've ever stood up for from that morning until that afternoon. Who's been there? Probably a lot of us. Or it might be that it's bedtime, you've just finished your last Netflix series, or episode, I should say, uh, and you see that five-second countdown time, and it's like it's saying, again, again, again. Students, I know you've been there, because it hits 3 a.m. in the morning, you're on episode 36, you're absolutely shattered, but you guys seem to live in like a completely different um, time, uh, time of your own, a different world zone of your own. Now I say these with humor, but temptation is no joke. Temptation to sin is actually no joke. If we continue reading on in James that I read earlier, it says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. And I know some of you are thinking, well, I ate the cookie at work and I didn't die, so I don't really understand what you mean. The Bible talks about spiritual death. That is what is dying in you. The part of you that was designed to be connected to God deeply. The part of you that leads to life and peace. The part of you that is supposed to help you to live in the way God designed for you to live. It's dead every time you sin or it dies but it's not just your spirit that dies. Sin is a violent assault against your whole well-being. If you've ever been doing our well-being series over the last uh, couple of weeks, then you know that our, our well-being encompasses so much more than just our spirit. You eat the cookie, suddenly your emotions are down because you feel sad and guilty because you broke what it is that you said you do. Also, your physical body is feeding it because now you've gone on a sugar high and then a sugar crash and you're one step further away from your goal. But now because of your low mood and your uh, crash, you're also not focusing well, so you're not focusing well on your work. Your relational well-being is affected as well because you're now in a low mood to not really connect with anybody in a good way. But then you also decide that on your way home, you're going to swing by Tesco so you can grab some more sugar to continue feeding into your cravings. That's your financial well-being that's also being impacted. Now, granted, I've kind of fast-tracked the effects of one cookie. I'm sure that's probably not all that would happen if you just had one cookie. But if we continued on in this way, these are some of the things that we might see. But also, if we were to share candidly with one another today, there are deeper temptations and sins that we may all be battling with. Those things that Paul talked about that you don't want to do and you do, or the things that you hate to do, but you do. Addictions to alcohol, food, gadgets, online shopping or spending money. Not spending money, but you know, spending a lot of money that is beyond your means. Pornography, addiction to relationships, or it might be striving to gain a sense of significance and approval from maybe your work, maybe from your boss, from your family, from your children. Or maybe it's, it's much more subtle, unforgiveness, 
those small judgments that you make in your head about other people. Laziness, self-pity. I don't have time to list all the things that we might be struggling with, but we all have our stuff. And if you're thinking about it and nothing comes to mind, cry out to God and ask him. Because all of us have our stuff. There are ways in which we walk distant to God against his will for our lives. And I want to encourage you today that actually God's will for your life is good. He wants you to be in a place of freedom in a place where you are able to choose and not being ruled over by these different things that you've possibly allowed to rule your life. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. What a comfort it is to know today that Jesus understands your weakness because he's been there he's been tempted in every way the exact way you're tempted he's been tempted yet been without sin but not only that this Jesus who became flesh who's so familiar with your fragility not only understands your struggle but he comes to help you to find rest and freedom from your struggles and so the first thing that we can learn from this Jesus who was tempted yet sinless is to rest in his perfection. You see, God is holy, perfect, and righteous in all of his ways. And so what he wants in his presence, the people that he wants to be in fellowship with, in relationship with, are a people who are holy, perfect, and righteous in every way. But when sin entered into the world, it corrupted that. It corrupted humanity and creation. But not only that, it separated us from God. Even worse, all our own efforts, our own trying to be good, to be perfect and striving in it. The Bible says that they're described as filthy rags before God. They will never be good enough. But the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness so that we could see that unlike us, this Jesus, fully man and fully God, was sinless and perfect. Some biblical scholars also believe that um, this 40-day journey of Jesus in the wilderness is kind of significant because it holds similarities to the Israelites' journey through the wilderness in the Old Testament for 40 years. But the problem is that where they failed, or the success is that where they fa failed, Jesus succeeded. They disobeyed the commandments given to, God, uh, given to Moses by God. They built idols and worshipped them. They complained and groaned against God and they tested him. Yet this Jesus, he declared that man shall not live by bread alone. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. Worship and serve God alone. These aren't just things that he said. These are things that he did. Yet not only did Jesus resist every temptation, he fulfilled every requirement of God. God also needed someone to pay for the sins committed against his law, against his ways. 
And the only sacrifice that he would accept as good enough would have to be a perfect sacrifice for sin. And so Jesus became that perfect sacrifice on our behalf. He gave his life for us. He paid the debt that we could never pay. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That now means that for those of us who believe in Jesus, we are covered by him. We stand in his perfection. He gives you his perfection. He stood in your place so that you could stand in his place and so that you could be in right standing with God. You don't have to strive anymore to be right with God. But you also don't need to beat yourself up with fear and condemnation and feeling guilty. On your best days and on your worst days, you can rest in his perfection. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Secondly, this Jesus was tempted yet sinless, so learn from his example. It's worth saying that Luke already did a great job last week of unpacking about how we can learn from Jesus and be taught by him. So I highly recommend that if you haven't listened to that message, you go back and listen to that to unpack this further. But here, I want us to see and to learn that we can resist temptation by learning from Jesus and how he resisted temptation. There's not enough time to unpack this today, but the reality is that Jesus has already defeated the devil, sin, and death. But until he returns to free us fully from this world, we continue to live in this new life that he's given us. What we're now doing is resisting temptation. In resisting temptation is standing firm in the new identity and the perfection that he's already given us. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And we see that Jesus actively does both of these things. So how does he do it? Like, what's the battle plan here? Firstly, Know the word of God. A lot of the responses that Jesus gave to the temptations of the devil can actually be found in Old Testament scripture, like in places like Deuteronomy. Because, you know, the words of the Bible are not like the words that we read in all other books. The Bible talks about how the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's an active thing. It's a living thing that has impact not only on us, but on the forces of darkness. It's a weapon for us. And to know the word of God means you must already have it either in mind, inside of you, or at least you have it somewhere where you can access it because you know where it is. You don't just start putting on your armor Uh, When you're on the battlefield, you start preparing in advance. You put your armor on before you get on to the battlefield. And that's how we do it when we learn to know the word of God. Maybe it means spending time studying the word of God, meditating on it, listening to uh, to songs that are 
packed full of spiritual and scriptural truths, listening to sound preaching, talking with other brothers and sisters in Christ about scripture. This is all about how you dress for battle. But don't just know the word of God. Believe in its truth and submit to it. Some of us impressively have a lot of Bible knowledge. We can quote scripture upon scripture upon scripture if it was required. Maybe it's because of your church background. But the question is, do you believe it? Are you convinced? Have you internalized this truth and allow it to shape you? Because what you truly believe shows up not just in what you say, but how you live out what you say. That's what we call integrity. And thirdly, speak truth to a lie. You know it, you believe it, but in the moment of temptation, you have to activate it in your life. Don't shrink back. Often when we're tempted, many of us are tempted to shrink back and to just be quiet. But now is the time to apply that word. Maybe you want to rehearse the truth in your mind as it's happening. Speak it out loud. I often speak the word of God out loud. I speak truth out loud. Write it down in your journal. Speak in tongues. Do whatever you need to do to let the truth be louder than the lie that is currently before you. When the enemy says to you, just like he did to Jesus, prove yourself. Say, I don't need to prove myself. I don't need to prove anything. The Bible says that I am a child of God and I am who he says I am. You need to give in to this temptation to satisfy your needs. Say, no, I don't. Sin only ever brings destruction and death, but Jesus came that I might have life and life to the full. You're struggling again. You're such a failure. I'm not a failure. Satan, you are a liar and you are an accuser. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I'm covered. Recently for me, I've had to keep reaffirming to myself this simple truth that I am not my struggle. I am not ruled by my flesh. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. And when you engage in this way, you find sometimes that what initially started out as feeling so intense and you felt like you could do nothing else but give in, in the moment, it can suddenly start to calm down and it eases and a peace can come over you. And this creates space for God to come by his spirit and to minister to your deepest needs. Just like the spirit of God, the angels came and ministered to Jesus. Let me take a moment at this point to say that these are powerful ways to respond to sin and temptation in our lives, but these are not the only ways. We shouldn't just be limited to this. For some of us coming away from here today, we might need to find an accountability partner, somebody that we can go to and be honest about what it is that we're struggling with so that they can speak wisdom and encouragement and truth into our lives and pray for us. For some of us, we might need to seek professional help in a GP or a counselor to work through some of the deeper things that are going on inside of us in terms of our sins that are constantly over our lives. 
Jesus is going to be even in those things that we do to help and support with speaking the word of God. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And finally, this Jesus, tempted yet sinless, so rely on his power. The thing is, we often try to resist temptation and to sin with our own willpower and our own strength. And in some ways, our willpower is valid. It will get us somewhere. But actually, our willpower will get us as far as we want to go. But God's power at work in us will get us as far as he wants to go. And where he wants to take you is into complete freedom, is into complete rest in him. Not only that, we have to realize that often this battle is not in the flesh. It's not against the flesh, but it's in the spirit and it's against spiritual forces. There's an enemy, just like there was a devil then, there's a devil now. And we need spiritual power to overcome these spiritual forces. So you need the power of his finished work that declares for you that you are perfect and complete in him. You need the power of his word and you need the power of his spirit at work in you. Just like Jesus was filled with the spirit, you need to be continually filled with the spirit of God. After fasting 40 days, Jesus was weak in his body. He was physically hungry. He was exhausted. He was vulnerable. And the enemy played on that. His needs were genuine, just like oftentimes in our temptations, our needs are genuine. But what sin offers, what the enemy offers, what the lies offer, often falls short. Sin promises big, but delivers very, very small. So instead, at his weakest point, Jesus found his greatest strength because he found it in God and he stood firm in that. And this is why we as a church fast as well. It's not because we're trying to purposely put ourselves in a vulnerable place, but because when we get into that fasted state, it creates opportunity for us to rely on things not that are fleeting, in how they meet our needs, but on the perfect power of God at work in us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul speaking of God said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, his power is made perfect in your weakness, not aside from your weakness, in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. We often don't want to boast in our weakness, but Jesus invites us today to boast in our weakness, not because that's where he wants us to stay, but because in our weakness, his power is made perfect. Dare I say, like, Luke said last week, the thing you need to be to be qualified to come to Jesus today is to be weak and tempted. This is not the time to run. This is the time to come closer. So in the room, 
Uh, and at home, I want to invite you, maybe you want to stand, maybe you want to bow, maybe you want to lift your hands up, whatever it is you want to do to say, Jesus, I'm coming to you today. I've been tempted. I felt weak. I felt burdened by my sin and weary. But I'm coming to you today. I'm saying that I'm relying once again on your perfection. I'm relying once again on your word and the power of your word. I'm relying once again on your spirit. There are things in my life that I don't want to do, but I keep on doing. But Lord, I thank you. I thank you because you, your word says that you have delivered me. I want to invite you to name those things. We don't name the things that we're struggling with because we want to make ourselves feel worse about it. But because when we speak the lie, when we speak the struggle, we enable God to come specifically into that very thing that we're struggling with. And as you do that, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I, I thank you for your son. I thank you for your son that is the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb who gave his life for us, who died for us so that we could find our perfection in him. We say we lay down our striving today. We lay down our need to be perfect in a way that you've already made us perfect. And we say that we receive of your power once again. We declare that we are children of God. We declare that we have been forgiven. We declare that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the power of the Spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death. And we walk in that freedom and we invite Holy Spirit to come all across the room and all across our homes. The Spirit that brings freedom, we speak freedom into homes and lives where we've had long-standing struggles and temptations Jesus, we invite you to come in and we say we rest upon you today. Lord, help us to walk in your power in our weakness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.